Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ooh, a spicy question. I <laughs> because love Because the writing is sort of everything, right? Like, you kind of can fix plot holes, but if the yeah. writing is So some there. readers love that, and some readers are like, but I wanted more of this. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a gamble. Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by a best-selling thriller author from all the way across the ocean in Florida, somewhere between Disney and the swamp. It's Dee Poirier. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, so excited to be here. Thanks for coming on. Um, always great to start with uh, your latest works, uh, which is Have You Seen Her, which will be coming out September 19th. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, so it's a complicated story, but at its core, it's really about an incredibly toxic sisterhood between two women who could not be any more different. Um, our main character, Blair, is a social worker who has a very like mundane existence and has been estranged from her sister for years. And then she gets a call that her sister, who is one of the biggest influencers in the world, rich, famous, amazing person, has disappeared. And her brother-in-law wants her to come to Florida to try to help find where her sister has gone. Okay, great setup. Uh, I love how you just open it with, at, at its core, it's about a toxic relationship. I mean, that's always interesting to me, at least. <laughs> well, I've written a few books that had, you know, a, a sibling dynamic and they've always been like rather good sibling dynamics. And so I wanted to do something different this time. And I was like, what if I just made them not really like each other at all? <laughs> <laughs> What's the opposite of loving? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Is that something you like to do with your writing in general? You sort of like, it's like, oh, I did. I've done that a few times. Let's do something completely different here. Yeah, I feel like otherwise it just gets a little stale and you're mm -hmm. like, are my readers going to think I'm just telling the same story again? And so I really wanted to do another sibling book, but I'm like, oh, I don't want this to be like too similar to my others. So let's just try to do something completely different. Yeah. Did you have, uh, having written a couple of like healthy sibling relationships, was it fun to then write a sort of destructive one? Yeah, honestly, it <laughs> adds way more drama to the story to be able to like, just be like, oh man, let's not make anything good in this relationship. <laughs> let's have like a terrible backstory. Let's make them not like each other at all and just be completely opposite personalities. <laughs> That's so funny. Is this, um, it sounds like you went into this with quite a lot of ideas about how it was going to play out. Did you, are you someone that plans these books? Do you, do you have everything kind of, kind of lined up before you start writing it? Yeah. So, um, I have a, like, I'm, I guess neurodivergent is the term I, um, I have aphantasia, so I, I cannot picture things in my mind and it's difficult for me to structure things in my head. So I am a very, very detailed plotter. 
because I find oh. it much easier to write my books that way. So ahead of time, I write out my full outline, my outline for each chapter, my character arcs, uh, descriptions I'm going to use because I can't picture these characters. I have no clue what they look like. I hope my readers do. <laughs> <laughs> and so I make myself these little cheat sheets so that writing the book is easier for me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would say like before I actually start really writing a story, I probably spend a full week or more planning out all these elements so that I don't get stuck during my drafting period being like, oh no, I don't have any idea what kind of house they live in. <laughs> right. Okay. So when you when, when you come to write it, it's actually quite a smooth process because you've got it all kind of mapped out and you know where everything kind of fits within the, the puzzle. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you, um, a friend of mine is a, is an avid planner also, and she, she, all of her chapters are approximately the same length and she knows exactly within those chapters, like to the sort of hundred word ish where certain moments are going to happen. Is that kind of how granular you get with it? Oh no, I wish I could. Um, (laughs) Oh, definitely not. I mean, mine, I would say my chapters really vary in length and Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't plan how long they're going to be. I normally just plan the core elements. So if there's a specific conversation I need to happen, if there's evidence or red herring that needs to appear, um, if there's a big conflict moment that needs to be present. And then I like to end a lot of my chapters on like little cliffhangers. So also like I will call out like, this is the cliffhanger you're going to use at the end. Yeah. Cause I think that the sort of baseline planning thing is you're sort of roughly just knowing with each chapter, it's like, okay, these are the elements that need to go into the chapter. And that's the kind of most simple kind of chapter planning you can do. Yeah. 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 So I'd love to talk a bit more about the aphantasia. Um, It's so interesting to me because it's one of those things that it's very hard for me to uh, fathom, like to, to think about how that works. You know, I'm sure like a lot of people when I'm, when I'm reading something or when I'm writing something, I am picturing it like a sort of movie scene or, or, or like me experiencing it in my head for you. What I mean, let, let's start with like, you talked about it a little bit, but what, what kind of is the definition of aphantasia? Like how, what does it mean? So the traditional definition of aphantasia is that you have no mental imagery, but there's actually a scale of okay. um, like how extreme your aphantasia can be. So you can have very little imagery in your head or you can have none and I have none. So I, I actually didn't realize this until probably like six or seven years ago. I, I always thought it was, you know, like when people told you to imagine something, I didn't think you were actually imagining <laughs> something like I, because my head doesn't do that. So yeah. I thought it was just like figurative. I guess like that's the difficult thing is like you don't really understand that your brain functions differently than anybody else's because you've never been in anybody else's head. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I realized that everybody else really or not everybody else, but a lot of other people have mental imagery, I was like, wait, what? That's not fair. <laughs> when you get that. <laughs> that's so interesting. Does it is it is it strange? Yeah, I mean, obviously you've just said like it's strange for you to like if you watch a film and you're like, God, is this what you is this what people are like picturing? Like this is kind of vaguely going on in people's heads while they're reading. 
Yeah. I mean, I am one of the rare people, I guess. I absolutely love the, um, the book into movie genre like I love when people (laughs) make a movie out of a book because I had no no idea what these characters looked like unless I was reading a graphic novel yeah so to be able to like see it on the screen like oh my god like this is what the author meant like this is what these people looked like that's phenomenal (laughs) that's yeah that's so cool you must enjoy because the, the, a lot of the issue that people have when it's like, oh, we, we've adapted this into a movie is like, oh, well, I pictured them differently. You know what I mean? That's such a big issue. So that, that's just not a problem for you. No, 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 no. Not Amazing. at all. Yeah. I feel like there's also, there's a little bit of, um, just thinking, I mean, this is me personally, is like sometimes I'll get so excited about a scene because I've pictured this incredible cinematic moment in my head. Um, and I'll get so attached to that, that it'll be sort of almost ham fisted while I'm writing. I feel like in some ways it, there's a benefit to you where it's like, you're not picturing these things in these kind of movie moment, uh, cinematics, which means that you can be much more, um, logical, I think about how you approach the the story in your writing. Yeah, I think, um, I'm, I'm able to kind of distance myself from it a little bit in a way. So I, mm. I'm not very in my head about it. And the other thing is like, I don't, I don't daydream. So I don't get distracted. So when I sit down, that's like a superpower. (laughs) 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 So like when I sit down to like write my scene or write my book, I, I literally can just think about that. Like my brain doesn't drift to other things or to imagining it. I can just, it's like I have words in my head and I'm just, putting them out that's brilliant like laser focus and how does it affect you as a reader as in like are you drawn to certain genres because of the sort of forms and traditions of those styles yes i would say um one i i prefer audiobooks it's really hard for me to sit down and read physical books um i've always had issues with that i had a really hard time reading as a kid yeah um so I, I absolutely love audiobooks and I've just I find it so so difficult to read like high fantasy or yeah, super sure. hard sci-fi because I'm just like I have no idea what you're talking about at this point. Yeah. Like when when it's like so so descriptive and so outside of anything I've experienced, it's like my brain has no reference point. So my brain is just like we're disregarding all of this because we don't know <laughs> what any of it means. <laughs> Yeah, because it's because especially with fantasy, and I've seen all the like memes and stuff when it's like when you pick up a fantasy novel and it's like you can't pronounce half the names or half the words. So the the author is just asking you to be like, make something up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagine something, <laughs> whatever you want. And my brain's like, nope, we don't do that. <laughs> Sorry, can't do that. Have you watched sort of like book adaptations of fantasy into film, and then and then looked at them and sort of thought, oh, that's what they wanted. <laughs> Yes. So I really do enjoy fantasy TV shows and movies and same with sci-fi. I love sci-fi movies. Uh Um, And like, I, I tried to read, what was it? Um, um, Oh no, it was a dragon riders of Pern. And I, I liked the idea of it, but so much of it was like, I have no idea what this is. Um, and I can't remember if they actually made a movie out of that one, but I'd seen some other similar dragon movies. And I was like, I wonder if this is what they meant. <laughs> they have How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, I've seen 
the How to Train Your Dragon, and then um, I guess like the Game of Thrones ones might be similar because they've got a bunch of dragons. <laughs> <Kind> of. But <laughs> yeah, 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 that's so yeah. interesting. Yeah, there's definitely been ones I wish that they had an adaptation because I was like, my brain isn't going to fill in any of these blanks, so I'm not <laughs> going to be able to read this at all. <laughs> yeah. So what genres are you drawn to then? I understand, obviously, anything that's sort of otherworldly and, and highly descriptive like fantasy and, and sci-fi. What, what, what's the kind of stuff that you are kind of you like to, to read or, or listen to on audiobook? Uh, I listen to a lot of mystery and thrillers. I really like those. Um, I also listen to a lot of middle grade and YA with my son in the car. Um, Mm -hmm. And those are usually like, he likes the ones that are kind of fantasy. Um, The like Percy Jackson books. He's a huge fan of those. So we've we've listened to all of those books. (laughs) Um, But in general, I absolutely love thrillers and mysteries because I feel like they're the the easiest for my brain um mm-hmm. dark romance is also great um because I, I don't have trouble with that at all but okay i wish i could do more fantasy I really do <laughs> <laughs> well don't worry because there's a percy jackson television series coming out soon so Perfect. you'll be able to watch it all and then you can great. catch up with what your son's <laughs> listening to <laughs> yeah um okay let's get let's get back onto 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 you and your writing and things like that um this is your eighth novel correct yeah um, that's a pretty impressive turnout. Two novels, a, two novels a year. That's, is that your kind of schedule? That's where you're at now? I usually write two to three a year. That doesn't mean I get to publish two to three a year, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I do write a lot, um, because I just need to keep my brain busy. So mm-hmm. I do tend to write two to three a year. Uh, right now I'm publishing on a schedule of like two to two a year. I would like to be able to do three a year, um, but haven't gotten there yet. Um, but yeah. In terms of publishing as well, your, your, your new book is you're, you're publishing with Bookature and you mm-hmm. signed with them a couple of years ago. Um, but your original books were not with Bookature. Were they with Amazon Publishing? Yes, they were with Thomas and Mercer through Amazon Publishing. And then I also have one book through Polis. Okay. And are you are you only publishing with Bookager now, or do you, are these kind of like concurrent um, things that you're working on? Right now, I'm just working with Bookator. I do okay. have some other books on sub, um, but they're in a different genre. Oh, and because okay. I I am trying to write some fantasy. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> my after what you just told me, that sounds very brave. <laughs> yeah, I mean they are they're historical fantasy, so I okay. feel like it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, like my, my book after you died, it is a supernatural thriller. So it definitely has a lot of my thriller elements, but it also has like a supernatural bent to it. Okay. That makes, that makes more sense. So when you say historical fantasy, are you talking sort of like, uh, myths and legends and stuff, but, but still set on earth? Not so much myths and legends. Uh, I would say they're usually more paranormal or supernatural so in a historical setting with a historical element behind it and then oh i'll just tell you uh so the one i just (laughs) finished is um it's about the body snatching period in baltimore in the 1800s when people would dig up bodies for the medical school and sell them and that's like the basis of the story with a very magical element woven in 
Oh, very cool. That's a, that's, a, that's a great pitch. I love it. I'd, I'd like to read it. <laughs> when can I get it? <laughs> uh, hopefully soon. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so going back to your eight books, um, I was interested to see, I was going through your books and within your books, you, you do tend to write sequences. So you have the, the, the Calderwood cases, which is, uh, was it two or three books with that? Yeah. The afterlife, two. two books. And then, then three detective Harlow Durant books. Um, but the new one is standalone. No Correct. plans to to make a sequel for that. Uh, no, I I don't mind writing series, but they don't sell as well as standalones. Ah, uh, okay. So, and I also like the tidiness of like wrapping it up in one story and then being able to move on. Uh-huh. Um, trying to like carry a story arc over three books. And, and Harlow Durant is actually meant to have a fourth that isn't completed yet. Um, okay. But trying to like do that character arc over four books and knowing like, okay, I have to sprinkle these little elements into book one and two and three to finally wrap this up in four. Yeah. Sometimes it's just nice to be able to bundle it all into one book and be like, done. Now I can move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Because you're not just as a writer, you're not just sort of like, um, having to, to not necessarily draw things out, but you are having to pace yourself quite a lot. You're also asking the reader to then pace themselves as well. For yeah. The, you know, the kind of denouement that, they, that they're eventually going to get with when this character completes their arc. But I, yeah, I mean, the trilogies and duologies and things like that, you, the, the best ones are always like planned in advance Like you need to know, like you say, when you're, how slowly you're going to pace where that character goes, what the storyline goes and things like that. Let's talk about thrillers. I, uh, thrillers, uh, just within publishing at the moment, very, very, very popular genre. And in turn, that then means that lots of people are writing for the space, which makes it harder to, to break into. So a lot of people listening are, um, are writing there somewhere along the writing journey, maybe looking to, to sign, um, with their first publisher or agent. What advice would you, as someone who's, you know, been in writing thrillers for a while you've written a lot of books at this point which have been published what advice would you give to up-and-coming thriller writers who are looking to make their debut stand out from the sort of the rest of the pack it's such a tough question because everybody's journey is so different and everybody's book is so different and there's no like universal advice there's because everybody is going to find their own path. Just like everybody has their own way to write a book. The only thing I can really say that I think really matters and that really resonates is writing a story that is in some way very personal. So for example, I started my writing journey writing YA and it wasn't really working. I got an agent off of it, but it wasn't selling. And my agent at the time recommended, maybe you should try writing, you know, suspense or mystery for adults, because I think your writing would really lend itself to that. And you tend to go very dark for YA. And I was like, okay, sure. So I tried and the book I wrote around the time that my grandmother passed away. And at the core of that book, it is about 
you know, a sister who her sister died and the killer was never caught. But at the core of that book, it's about grief and loss. And I think that it resonated so well because I was going through so much loss at the Mm -hmm. time that I was able to really thread in everything that I was feeling into that book. And in every single one of my books, they're not about me, but there are elements that are deeply personal. And like my book that I'm working on right now, I would say is my most personal to date. It is about aphantasia. It's the main character also has aphantasia and a brain that works very similarly to mine. And I would say it's one of the scariest things I've ever written because trying to explain to the world how your brain works to people whose brains who don't work that way, I'm having to like try to reconcile those two things and make them make sense <laughs> to somebody. Yeah. And, but at its core, I feel like it's a necessary story to tell. That's the thing that I've gotten asked with every single book I've written is, well, what about this is personal to you? What about this resonates with you most? And I think that telling this story is the most personal and the most resonating thing I can write. And so I would say in any of your writing on your your path to publishing, look at that and say like, what about this is personal to me? How can I add something that feels more real to this? Well, I think that's a wonderful answer. (laughs) Um, No, that's brilliant. And it's so true because even, you know, going further than that, uh, it needs to be personal to you because otherwise the, the, you risk sort of just regurgitating a collection of who are probably your favorite authors, if you know what I mean. Like yep. subconsciously, you're going to start emulating people that you you like the writing of. It's it's uh, I guess one of the hardest things about being an author is writing as your son, writing sort of authentically and not mimicking other people's styles. They'll always be there because you know we yep. are the sum of our experiences. But yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. And uh, interesting that you said. You, you you originally started you were originally writing YA. You got an agent writing YA. Do you think the um, you know YA protagonists are usually um, sort of fifteen to eighteen? Um, do do you think that was part of the disconnect? Was the age gap between you as you as the author and the protagonist that you were writing? Do you think it's sort of an additional hurdle? I don't know if it was so much that because I have been told like my first two books, I got told a lot that like the voice felt very YA, even though okay. it was an adult <laughs> book. So I don't know if that's it, but I, I think that the disconnect is that I do write very, very dark books. I, right. um, I just, I don't know. That's just where my brain always goes is like, what's the worst case scenario and <laughs> let's write a book about that. So you know, not only am I picking a very dark setting, the characters are usually very emotionally damaged in some way um, and working through some like really tough things. So while I know that YA now tends to have a lot of those darker topics back then, I mean, we're talking like over 10 years ago at this point. Oh, okay. um, Right, right, right. It was not, really focus on a lot of those darker things. And I also, I think 
at my core, I didn't read a whole lot of books that blended kind of like thriller and mystery elements with the supernatural outside of YA. I saw that all the time in YA. So I felt like, oh, that's what I need to write because I don't see very many adult thrillers with these things. So yeah, okay, I'll write that. And then I kind of got away from writing the supernatural a bit and then transitioned to more of the adult books. But I still love the YA. Um, that's yeah, that cause, cause I was thinking as you were saying that YA has gotten very dark yeah, over yeah, the yeah. past, I mean, just in the last like three or four years, there's been a huge kind of rise in very dark murdery, um, YA, uh, I mean, especially in the, in the UK, um, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's time to, to get back into YA. Yeah. <laughs> it's ready for you now. It's ready for your I darkness. <laughs> Um, amazing. Well, that's uh, that's really really good advice on on a sort of with the preface of there is no universal advice, which I think is also true. You just got to figure it out and just do your best. Listen to everything, and then see what works for you. Exactly. Um, and that brings us to the final question, the uh, the incredibly uh, unfair and difficult question of D. If you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would you like it to be? Okay. I was going to cheat and like try to sneak in two. <laughs> okay. Well, lots of people do. So <laughs> you'd be amongst good company. <laughs> I will go with my all-time favorite book, which I've probably read over 10 times at this point, which is Diary by Chuck Palahniuk. It, is that Chuck uh, Palahniuk who wrote Fight Club? Yes. Oh, okay. So it's funny. Like the first book I ever read from him was Diary and then later read Fight Club and all of his others. But Diary to me is just the most brilliant, amazing book. I don't like just, it surprised me in a way that no book has ever surprised me before. And anybody who's listened to me on any podcast will be bored with this answer because it's always the <laughs> answer. Cause I, I just, I love it. And everyone I'm like, you need to read this. Not Fight Club. Fight Club's a great movie. Mm-hmm. The book. Mm, but I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but diary is just, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um, and then my, my runner up would be a darker shade of magic by V E Schwab. Um, that is one of the only fantasies that, I mean, it's so based like sort of in this world. That's like Mm -hmm. my brain can wrap around it in a way that's not okay. confusing. So I, I love the writing. I love that book. So those are okay. my sneaky too. Are you hoping for a movie adaptation? <laughs> I believe it's in the works. Is it? Well, I hear that about a lot of books and then, and yeah. then you check in five years later and it's still in the works. <laughs> I know that one. Um, I would, I would be there like opening night. Day one. I would be so excited. <laughs> so excited. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome answers. Um, uh, I've not had either. I don't think neither of those books have been picked before. So that's uh, always, always fun to get, get new and original ones. Well, thank you so much, Dee, for coming on the podcast and telling us all about your, your writing and uh, Aphantasia and, and everything that's going on with you. It's been really, really fun and really interesting chatting with you. Of course. Thank you for having me on. 
And for anyone who wants to keep up with what Dee is doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Dee Poirier Books or on Instagram at Dee Poirier. Uh, she's also on Facebook. Just uh, search her, you'll find her. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can support the show on Patreon and for more bookish chat, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again, Dee, and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. 